Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Michaela Albertson. Michaela is on the show today talking about her book, Ordinary on Purpose. She's sharing her heartfelt journey in a raw and revealing way as she invites us to lay down our own endless chase for perfection and embrace this beautiful, messy life exactly as it is with our perfect, loving God right by our side. Join us today to realize that life happens in the ordinary after all. Well, hello, Michaela, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Hi there. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. You are a family practice doctor turned mostly stay at home mom, which I think is so cute. Um, so who, and you're passionate about Jesus and all things ordinary. So what is it about the ordinary that you've learned to love so much? Well, I think that we're surrounded by this messaging in the world that life happens somewhere out there you know, in bigger homes or in better cars or on fancier vacations. And we're sort of inundated with um, messaging everywhere that life should be bright and shiny. And we see a lot of carefully curated photos of perfect lives. And if ours doesn't look that way, then we can find a lot of articles and posts and how-tos about how to do better, right? And how to be a little smarter, thinner, or shinier. And I've noticed that most of my life is pretty ordinary and messy and hard. And I spend my days getting my kids up and going to school and cleaning up breakfast dishes and playing Barbies and going to the store and running kids around to practice. And none of it really feels all that shiny. And it certainly isn't perfect, but I think it's really lovely and really beautiful and I have sort of figured out over time that perfect is pretend and I would like to choose real. I think life happens in ordinary moments and I don't want to miss any of it striving for perfection. Mm, Me either. Um, And so in fact, you've written a book titled Ordinary on Purpose. And one of the main areas you focus on is this idea of perfection. And I think perfectionism is is something that we all struggle with. Most of us struggle with in today's culture. So how is this a struggle for you personally? Yeah, I think I still struggle there. I think I'm still learning, but I, there was a time when I sort of embraced that messaging of the world wholeheartedly. And I thought that I wanted a perfect life. I thought that's what we were supposed to be doing down here is trying to have the most perfect life possible. And so I chased after perfect marriage, perfect family, perfect career, perfect house. And I was sort of under the illusion, I think that I was in control of all of it, that if I just made all the right choices, then I could have exactly the life that I wanted. Um, And I think too, I thought that if I could have those things, if I could somehow achieve perfection, then maybe I would drown out the little voice in the back of my head that was constantly whispering, you don't measure up. Yeah, I have that same annoying voice in the back of my head. So I'd love to hear then how you were finally able to surrender perfect and let go of striving for the world's expectations. 
I think I'm still working on it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, Me too. But, but really, there came a time when in the middle of all that striving, my marriage broke under the weight of my husband's drug addiction. And I started floundering through my job as a family practice doctor and in early motherhood and in life. And I just couldn't carry it all anymore. And so I think I surrendered because I had no choice. I had sort of come to an end. And it turns out that with enough pain and brokenness, we become willing to change. Mm. That's true. And and if you're willing, I'd love for you to walk us through this season because you, you say, despite all of your best efforts, your picture perfect life began to crumble. So what was life like in, in this season? It was really exhausting and it was really, really lonely. Um, there at, at that time, I was a young mom. I had two little boys who were three and one, and I was working kind of an average of 80 hours a week at the hospital trying to get through my family practice residency and all the while I was kind of trying to help things in my husband's life and in his addiction and that really looked a lot like control I think um, and I was really terrible at asking for help from other people so I kept almost all of our struggles to myself and I just pushed harder and I tried harder and I really felt like I was failing on every front. I was failing at marriage and motherhood and career and what felt like failure at life. Um, and that's kind of when I reached that breaking point where I had to surrender those things. Um, I think it felt like survival mode, but then I sort of looked around and I'm like, I'm not even really surviving it anymore. So what was, what was the turning point? I mean, you, you, you finally surrendered. You said, okay, God, I, I give up, but then what, what changed, you know, like, was there like this epiphany moment or it was it, you know, like so often we want like the before and the after, but I'm, I'm sure it didn't look that way. Um, yeah. talk just more about, I'm just thinking about the woman that maybe stuck in a similar position as you that's listening right now. It's like, I'm right there in it, but I don't know how to get from here to where you are today. Yeah. What advice would you give her? So I write about that in the book. I write about my surrender moment. And honestly, it wasn't anything special. I just reached a point of exhaustion and it was on a call night. And so I'd been awake for like almost 24 hours. And I just remember thinking something has to change. I cannot do this anymore. And I had prayed a lot about it, but I had always prayed with ideas in my head about what I wanted to have happen. You know, like, hey, God, could you, could you make this happen? Could you help here? Could you do this? And I finally had a prayer where I just was like, I can't anymore. So however this is going to go, could you please take that over for me? And I sort of had the realization that he was either going to get better or he was probably going to die, which was really devastating to me. But also I had to take my hands off the wheel. And I remember that moment of surrender really just vividly. 
um, and nothing happened for months of time. But when I think about it now, that is the time when things began to change. So after that, he had a positive drug screen. He also was in residency. And so he had been getting drug screens regularly. Um, and he could sort of manipulate the system a little bit and had figured out how to keep going. But he had a positive drug screen. And so it felt really devastating. Like he had to go back to rehab. And it was sort of the you figure it out now or you're not in residency anymore kind of moment. Um, and so it felt really devastating, but I also think it was the answer to that prayer. Mm. Well, so how did learning to embrace your ordinary life lead you on this journey of healing and redemption and renewal and, and really radical self-love? So I think when I surrendered, I think that surrender moment, and when I surrendered perfect, I discovered a brand new relationship with Jesus. I think I had been a religious person maybe up to that point. I was raised Catholic, but I sort of uncovered a true relationship, um, and I uncovered a little bit deeper spirituality, I think. I learned how to pray, and that mostly sounded like crying and wailing, I think. And um, in doing so, I think I discovered my belovedness that I don't have to attain or achieve anything in order to be fully loved by the creator of the universe. And that was just kind of an amazing feeling. It felt like a relief and it felt like I'd let myself off the hook. And, um, I just think, what if we could all move through life exactly as we are in a world exactly as it is um, with that understanding that we are deeply loved and fully held by God? Um, I think we do find so much healing there. And so I write much of this book to the little person in me that, that was always listening to that little voice. And so it almost wasn't my intention when I started writing the book, but it became a book about radical self-love. And so I hope that by sharing it, people can take the same journey in their lives. You know, self-love, I think in Christian circles, sometimes gets a, <clears throat> a bad rap maybe because it feels selfish, you know, and then, mm -hmm. you know, the Bible talks about but the Bible talks about love your neighbor as yourself. And so I don't know what would, how would you convince the women listening to believe that self-love isn't selfish, that it's actually a God-given like good thing? I think I'm learning to love myself through the eyes of how maybe Jesus loves me. Um, and that's an interesting thing to do. It's, it's, I talk a little bit about some childhood trauma in the book and my experience of that childhood trauma was at the exact same age that my little daughter is now. And so it's been really interesting to see myself as her age and to understand how much and how deeply I love her. And then to know that God loves me infinitely more than that, that he sees me the way I see her. And so it's just kind of this full circle thing where then I can suddenly be like, wow, I just really loved 
Um, and certainly I shouldn't mistreat that little person. I am the same person as I was when I was five years old. And so um, I actually think it's really a love offering uh, to love yourself the way that you are already loved by your creator. Yeah. You know, you, you've mentioned your children several times and, you know, I'm, I'm a mother and, and I imagine many of the women listening are mothers as well, but how has this, this concept of ordinary on purpose, how has that changed the way that you've mothered? Well, I don't want to be, I don't ever want to contribute to that messaging that I think is so prevalent in the world that um, you're more loved or you're more valuable, you're more worthy when you're attaining and achieving and when you kind of fit this perfect picture. And that's really hard because I think as mothers, we sometimes judge ourselves by how our children are turning out and whether they're meeting milestones and whether they're succeeding and if they're on the honor roll and all those things. And so I have to kind of constantly pull back from that and make sure that I'm not contributing that voice. And I think it comes back to, again, seeing myself as the little girl and loving her. And then how do I, how do I instill that in my children? Yeah. You know, you talk about in your book that amid the rubble, you discovered the beauty. And so would you talk to us about what this looked like in your own life and how we might learn to discover the beauty too? Yeah. So at the time that I was going through all that really hard stuff, when my husband was actively using, when my marriage was really in trouble and I was trying to figure out how to raise these two little boys, I was also working a lot in the hospital and trying to learn how to take care of some really sick people. And I remember just becoming aware that in the face of devastation, perfect seems really silly. You know, I mean, when the marriage ends or when the loved one dies or when like a devastating diagnosis comes, I saw again and again and again that what people really want is ordinary. They want one more ordinary day. Mm -hmm. And I could really just relate to that. I remember once at that time pulling into like a Home Depot for something and kind of looking around and noticing these other couples and other families going in for stuff for their home renovation or for yard work or whatever. And just thinking, I just really wish I had a regular life. Mm -hmm. And um, I just want like a sober husband and I want a house full of kids and I want an ordinary house on an ordinary street. And somehow I was sort of given that chance. And I'm living that now. I just have this really ordinary, boring life, but I just don't ever want to forget how extraordinary that is. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, you look at the characters in the Bible, all the people that we read about and, and truly, although God did extraordinary things through each of those people, they really were very ordinary. They were shepherds and scribes and um, uh, I'm trying to like, like even Jesus was a carpenter, truly, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and teachers and judges. And, and it's, so it's the same thing. And they lived in tents and they, they just were going about their day-to-day activities. Um, And, and so I just, I don't know, it's, it's like, why have we bought into this lie that bigger is better and 
faster is better and um, louder is better when uh, I, I do often wonder if God is communicating actually the opposite because that's what he specializes in is using ordinary people and ordinary objects to extreme to achieve his his extraordinary and um I guess as we're, we're we're kind of wrapping up, what what is the hope that you want to share for women who are living this imperfect, messy, messy ordinary life? Yeah, I mostly want them to know that my life isn't bright and shiny either. I think it's funny that you bring that up because when you look at the elements of the people in the Bible, or if you look in all civilizations everywhere, much of the things that we do day to day are the same. We're feeding our families, we're caring for our people, we're taking care of our things, we're doing good, hard, ordinary work. And so I think that that's where a lot of our attention should be. And I think that's where a lot of our worthiness should be. So I I don't want my messaging to come across like I have it all figured out now, like I have figured out the magic to life. You know, I just... um, I just want us to realize we're not doing it wrong. We're just living a life and life is messy and it's hard and it's mostly ordinary after all. Right. And it always has been. Do you think we struggle with it so much because most of it is unseen or unpraised or un kind of thankless in, in, in lots of ways. Do you think that that's why we struggle with it so much? Like wanting wanting maybe affirmation and wanting accolades. And, and, and I guess that goes back to what you said in the very beginning, that it's, it's God that we want to, it, once we realize how loved we are by him and that our identity comes from him, all those other needs kind of fall away. I don't know. Do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, I think so. And I think it gets a little bit harder all the time because it's easy to sort of showcase now, now that we have social media and we have reality TV and things, we're sort of seeing other people's showcase of things and you can have validation there sometimes. And I certainly struggle there myself. Um, But I think when we can come back to that central relationship, there really is nothing that you're doing every day, caring for a sick kid or taking your kids off to school or preparing dinner for your family or whatever it is that you do for your career. There's really nothing that is unnoticed by God. And so I think if we can keep that central relationship central, then all of the awards and accolades of the world just don't matter so much. But I do think it's a constant struggle. I don't think that will ever go away. Um, Not for me anyway, like I still struggle there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think I'm getting a little better at it over time. And so um, if we can just do that a little bit more every day, I think that need to be noticed, that need for validation isn't as important. Yeah. Well, Michaela, I ask all of my guests this question. And so I'd like to ask it of you based on today's conversation. How do you think we can best be love offerings? Yeah, I, uh, I think it sounds maybe a little bit corny, but I think we could be ourselves. We could be fully ourselves, our beautifully flawed, absolutely beloved people that we already are in Christ. I think if we could walk around understanding our belovedness and then we treated the people beside us as the beloved people they are, I think that really would change the world. Yeah. Our ordinary, 
everyday mm-hmm. selves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I know I want to stay connected with you. I'm sure listeners are going to want to stay connected with you. So how can we best do that? I am on Facebook and Instagram as Ordinary on Purpose. You can also find me over on my website, which is OrdinaryOnPurpose.com. And then my book, Ordinary on Purpose, Surrendering Perfect and Discovering Beauty Amid the Rubble, uh, will be available March 8th, really anywhere books are sold. All right. Well, thank you so much today. I so resonate with today's message, with your message, and I just pray that we all surrender perfect and we can discover the beauty in our ordinary everyday lives. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Rachel. Thank you so much for tuning in today to my episode with Michaela Albertson. We hope that today helped you to realize and live your ordinary on purpose. This week, we can be love offerings by being ourselves. Michaela says if we understand our own belovedness and treated others like they were beloved, it would change the world. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams Author on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. I would love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on the Love Offering Facebook community. There each week we dive in deeper into each podcast episode, into the blog series, and we encourage one another to live faithfully and love fully. If you have not yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the Love Offering podcast, I would so appreciate if you would take the time to do that just so more women can find and hear this Love Offering message. All of this information can be found at rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive your weekly love offering newsletter. And all of this information can go straight to your inbox each week, including my new devotional, A Little Goes a Long Way. Right now, if you pre-order your copy of A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life, you can go to my website at rachelkadams.com and you can have the first 10 devotionals sent straight to your inbox today. So I can't wait to connect with you in any of these ways, in all of these ways. And then next week, my guest is Billy Jouse. Billy is the author of Distraction Detox and also the podcast host of Start Small and Believe Big. I can't wait to chat with you again then, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week, and as always, remember to lead with love.